Welcome back, you guys. Let's do it. Sam Hines says, let's do it. Um, Corporate Lunch, episode 51. We're here. I'm Noah Johnson. I'm here with Sam and Rachel. That's Sam Hine Productions and Rachel Seville Tastian. We are the GQ Style Podcast. What's up, Sam and Rachel? What's, What's up, up? Noah? What's up? Look, I got something I need to talk about because I feel like I've been um, expressing some thoughts and opinions about brands in a way that I'm, I feel like I'm being misunderstood with regards to brands. Your brand is being misrepresented. My brand and my relationship to brands and my language around brands, there's a little bit of confusion. And I just want to probably not clear the air, potentially create more confusion, but address it here today in the studio. Um, that's what we do at Corporate Lunch every week. I think that's our mission. Sam, what's our mission? <laughs> I think you saw I think you nailed it, Noah. Look. This is like a, a uh like a news conference. <laughs> where Noah's like admitting some weird <laughs> yeah. this is a, Today I'm here to hold a press conference. Today my press conference, I will clarify my relationship to brands. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm gonna do. Um this comes from something I posted on Instagram in the stories. Love Instagram stories. It's how I it's how I truly live my real life. It's where you'll find the most authentic me. And um, I was wearing a... Well, first I disrupted uh, layering by putting my <laughs> Carhartt vest under my Arcteryx bubble jacket. Confounding. And then I was observing how the two logos were stacking uh, in an appealing way and and that, you know, the Arcteryx bird... I guess Arcteryx is the name of an old dinosaur and the, the uh, logo is the... Dinosaur bones, as you would, as an archaeologist would find them, perhaps. Perhaps. And then the Carhartt uh, leather leather badge on the pocket below that, and I I felt I needed to express something about myself and the brands that I love, and I I I made a picture and posted, the brands I love are a reflection of who I am as a person. I think that's pretty funny. Um, I, you know, a lot of people responded uh, in the affirmative and and celebrated that that notion and that um, you know chimed in uh, to me privately about about their love for brands and how they best represent who they are as people. And I was a little concerned about that. Um, I tried to uh, add a layer. I I regrammed. This isn't really about my social media, but then I added. Be the brand you want to see in the world. And this this is um, not exactly a new thought for you. It's something that you've been pushing on social media for some time now. Yeah, you might say this uh, is like a riff that this I is a, come This is back sort of a great, a great Noah Johnson bit. Yeah. Um, and a tweet that you tweeted um, on August Thirteenth, 2018. My kink is Sam Hine reading my tweets. <laughs> Find a brand you believe in and remain loyal to it for the rest of your life. <laughs> I should start a podcast where I just read tweets. Um, and and you got 120 likes and like a dozen replies of people just replying with their favorite brand that they are loyal to. Yeah. Um, Till death do them part. Well, so uh, just to pause there for a second, people love the idea of brand loyalty. Like brand loyalty is seen as virtuous. Whereas like we should be brand aware but also like brand skeptical don't you think yeah well 
So it's interesting because uh, it's not just that you support brand awareness. I mean, I think you support something in between brand awareness and brand skepticism. Yeah. Because the, what you were saying, and I think part of the reason why your irony was misunderstood <laughs> is because <laughs> is because you do like brands. Yeah. And it's representative of this new, well, what, the, what you believe is not necessarily representative of this new relationship that we have with brands. But like you seem to think like brands are cool. Brands yeah, are, are good. Yeah. Brands can do cool and good stuff. Right. But we shouldn't sublimate our own identity to a but like you don't look right. to a brand to create ideas that you can then pass off as like your own beliefs. True. The construction of like personal identity around the brand is I think what's like kind of strange about the reaction. That's like the strange part of the reaction to Noah's tweet. Right? Is like the people is is like the idea that now like we find like in you know like in the 80s or 90s um if you had like david bowie posters on your wall and you bought all of his records and stuff that kind of informed who you were as a person right and now it's like you know if you buy like supreme tees and like noah hoodies and stuff i th i think my sense that's is that people identity. also that's like a self-affirming action and people sort of construct their personality and identity around consumption of john's, john's basically which is which feels which feels like a new phenomenon. Right. Well, in One a lot of ways notice. we have a we have a robust John's market out there that that can offer you so many different ways to develop your identity. Yeah. As opposed to you know developing your identity around like styles of music or film or art or like activities that you do. What were the responses to my brilliant and hilarious, um, ironic, but misunderstood tweet? Um, because it's relevant. I'm not going to name names. Um, shout out you the know friends who you are. of the pod who replied. Um, we have one reply that was just EG. That's engineer, engineer garments. garments. Which, like, I'm super loyal to. If you're going to gonna supplement buy, yourself I, to a brand, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, so. well, I buy a lot of it, but okay. Um, the reply to that tweet was Hanes with a period. Fair. I think that was meant to be a joke, but Definitely. also uh, there are absolutely people who only buy Hanes underwear and undershirts and have for probably many years and are loyal to that and will be there for their entire lives. I think that's an example of, like, not building an identity around it but an actual version of brand loyalty that has to do with like a product that works for you or maybe not maybe it's just like that's just laziness but Hanes isn't right Hanes is actually a, a brand that's built around a specific like baseline product rather than like a massive marketing budget that like they're they're like more concerned with just making cheap white t-shirts than they are about making a brand yeah they're not trying to sell you anything other than what they make okay and then your reply to those to that string of tweets was Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. So that's the brand that you're uh, loyal to for the rest <laughs> of your life, I think. Well, I just think you have to be aware of how silly it is. What, whatever, fill, whatever brand you come up with uh, that you want to be loyal to for the rest of your life, keep in mind, like, what are you really loyal to for your whole life? You know, there's like, there's like your family and maybe, maybe a spouse or a lover or some sort of partner maybe children maybe a pet they don't last that long relatively speaking i mean like the brands this is, last forever this exactly so this is like this is you know holy holy ground here 
what I find so odd about this, though, is that it really wasn't that long ago that an entire generation of people who are slightly older than us thought that there was nothing worse in the world than brands. Yeah. And like, how did that happen? Brands got a lot cooler. No, brands, that's not right. Brands got better at marketing yeah. themselves. Well, companies stopped selling products and they started selling brands, right? Yeah. Like like Nike, great shoes, but the Sometimes majority of their- Sometimes they explode. <laughs> great, great shoes that, ex, that don't explode, some that do. Um, you know, they, they've sort of poured, you know, they don't, they're not really actively involved. They're not like a company that makes sneakers anymore. They don't have factories that they like directly oversee. It's all sort of subcontracted out overseas and, and you know they're able to make some like really high quality product that way um but the majority of like the employees in beaverton are are you know they're probably there's a lot you know there's a lot of designers and a lot of production people but there's a fuck ton of people who are just like building the nike brand and sort of helping yeah. like you know drive it home to the consumer that like if you're buying a pair of nike shoes you're buying this idea that like sport elevates everyone or something well people like that. for a long time would say nike is the best marketing company in the world that's what they're actually best at yeah um rachel when you said that not too long ago people hated brands what you mean like the gen xers like back yeah. when there was um feeling of serious angst and skepticism about capitalism right which is funny because there's serious angst and skepticism about capitalism now. And yeah. yet people are like, I want to I wanna wear brands. I'm proud to wear brands. I mean, it's interesting. Like, an, I, like, I love Patagonia and I own, like, a lot of Patagonia. But there's also, like, a kind of a sense with some people who wear it that it's like you're, we you're proud to wear this badge. Yeah. You know, that says something about who you are as opposed to saying, like, okay, like, I have to buy a puffer jacket. Like, yeah. which... I bought a puffer jacket because I needed a warm winter jacket and I was going to pick a brand and I was like, I feel best about how my money is being spent at Patagonia. Right. But there's also a layer beyond that of like, and I need to tell everyone that like, I'm the kind of person who spends their money at Patagonia. Right. Because of, of very, of practices that you're aware of, uh, that the brand and the brand founder are part of whether it's like environmental activism or directly opposing the president on mm -hmm. some of his policies. What's interesting about that is Patagonia spent years building a brand based on making the best product on the market uh, for those who require the best product on the market. So for mountaineers and skiers or trail runners or whoever, you know, what they were doing was, was, you know, testing and developing and innovating stuff that was like truly uh, best in class. And then they were able to add this other layer that was like, and also we, we are implementing like unprecedented whatever levels of, let's just say environmental activism, sustainability, what have you, you know, but they didn't just come out the gate with that necessarily. I'm not. I'm not saying that they weren't always like aware of it. I think, uh, right, uh, Yvonne Chenard, the 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 legendary founder, uh, owner, you know, independent company. I think these things have always been a concern of his. But like, they weren't. It wasn't part of the brand story in like a major way until recently because they were making because because the product was the brand story. Yeah. I mean, he was a big, yeah, he was like a major um, leader of like the clean climbing movement, right? Yeah. Which, which that's right. Patagonia sort yeah, of emerged out of. Yeah, that goes back a long, a long ways. I mean, what I'm, think, what I'm saying is that uh, I, I have some 
loyalty to Patagonia as a brand, I guess. I don't know if loyalty is the, the right word. But, but like affection and admiration. Yeah. And, and like pride in wearing it or at least like, you know, there has to be some awareness that like if you wear a brand, whether it has a logo on it or not, if it's somewhat recognizable, you're making yourself a billboard for that brand. And, Absolutely. And you're paying to be a billboard for that brand, which is, you know, the thing that one has to keep in mind. And then you just you just want to have awareness of what you're saying now for the rest of your life. It's just an insane thing to even suggest. And I, I do would definitely want to just like challenge those who people I feel like people liked that 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 ironic that jokey tweet I think because they find comfort in that notion that like I found the brand that represents me and it's going to be there for the rest of my life well it's almost impossible I think nowadays to like not basically support brands that like reflect who you are as a person every brand kind of has the right values now it's like very hard. Like you almost don't even have to make that choice. The choices that you're making are more like aesthetic or something, right? Or or like or like intellectual, I guess. But like, you know, like and some brands are going so far with it. Like Levi's like came out in support of like gun control. And it's like I don't really know what jeans has to do with gun control, but like that's cool. Like I'm down with that, you know? Right. Like I, it's like I it's they're like a politician Levi's yeah. is entering the 2020 presidential race which raises an important point I think that <laughs> Rachel and I were discussing earlier which is that people are now brands and brands are people yeah yeah I mean I think like when you think about especially brands that have started in the past 10 years or that have radically changed in the past 10 years yeah. you almost can like hear them you know like speaking in an Alexa voice and being like <laughs> hey Noah what do you want to wear today <laughs> And, like, that's what we expect from our brand. Like, I think the reason yeah. why people are excited about being loyal to a brand for the rest of their life is because, in a certain way, it does sort of make sense to say, you know, oh, like, this is a, like, I have to consume. We live in a capitalist society. And, like, this brand is, like, being smart about right. how they make their stuff or, like, how I live my life. You know, like, it is, it's kind of, like, navel gazing but also like throwing money at the same time well brands do all the things that people do right they they have social media accounts that they have to populate with like personal you know in a first person sort of way right they have they, and they've really shifted towards speaking in a first person yeah way for sure i mean the good ones have they um they have parties and other activations that they want you to come to and like engage with them. Experiences. They, yeah, you have to like experience things with them the way you experience things with, with your friends. They have, you know, they they like appear places, you know, like they're they're there. They're like in the background, or they're like they were they're at an event, or they're a part of, um, they're a part of like cultural conversations or cultural like moments in like a significant way, even if they're not at the actual center of them, but they're like, they're participating as we do. And, um, and that's really nice. Cause you know, then you, that's like, you can only engage with brands and not people. Yeah. I mean, it's really crazy. Like what we expect of our brands. It's really insane. I mean, like the fact that you can like, if your flight is delayed, like go on Twitter and just tweet at American Airlines. And, and be American like, Airlines yeah. replies to you yeah. in like 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. We expect our brands to 
follow us back on Twitter. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah, maybe we need more boundaries between us and the brands. I think we no, might. You yeah. guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. Fewer, no, I think we do. Um, oh, like, because it's weird to be furious at American Airlines. Yeah. <laughs> as though it has wronged you personally. And don't get me wrong, I've been there. I know the feeling. I'm furious at brands like dozens of times a day. Like I'm furious because like I'm waiting for my coffee or I'm waiting for my lunch, mostly surrounding food. My <laughs> my oat latte is too hot. You know, like I my phone isn't working. I'm furious at Apple. I'm furious at every app on my phone because it's not like doing the thing I want it to do. I don't know if that's productive. I don't know if that's the best but use of our like, energy. But it's like, I think that's like inevitable that that's going to happen. But the idea is now that, and I don't know if I feel good or bad about this, but the idea is now that like you expect the brand to rectify right. that. Yes, that's right. That's right. In a personal way. Right. Directly with yeah. me. Yeah. It's like I deserve, okay, this was too hot. Like I now deserve a free oat lot <laughs> i mean this is a customer service podcast we are a brand we have a responsibility uh i mostly neglect it frankly um sam hine does his part or at least supposedly um yeah remember when what happened with new balance and trump oh i think they um released they like put out a press release that basically just said like Thank you, President Trump, for like supporting made supporting in the USA. made in the USA job for, for supporting tariffs or something. I think it was a tariff dispute. They were like, oh. "Thanks for supporting Made in America shoes," which that put them in the doghouse. I think it caught a lot of people because New Balance is a brand. Talk about like brand loyalty. I think New Balance probably does a lot of their business based on brand loyalty. I mean, people yeah. wear New Balance. People who wear New Balance wear them every day, and they wear them for their whole life. Yeah, I know because my dad was one of those people. And I also have many, many, many pairs of New Balance 990s and I didn't throw them all away when that controversy happened. And um, whatever, I don't know. There are probably people that still don't wear New Balance or, or are still mad at New Balance. Or they wear New Balance way more often. Or they yeah added more New Balances or they, they tore off their Nike swooshes and stitched on little New Balance ends onto their all their shoes. Well, and then people I, burnt. There was the sort of counter reaction was when the Nike Colin Kaepernick right. ad came out, you know, people were like posting videos on YouTube of them burning like huge piles of Nikes. Yeah. And and neither of these things seem particularly wise to me no. because you're talking about massive corporations that, that make a product that either matters to you or doesn't. Well, it show, it exposes sort of the double-edged sword of like brands becoming woke or at least like the, there's like now it seems to be like a consumer expectation among like a big populate a big like segment of the population that like brands are woke. And then there's like a lot of people who are like, wait, brands shouldn't have political opinions at all. Like, let me burn these Nikes. Yeah. Well the question I have though is it's like with something like either as extreme as burning your Nikes or as simple as like tweeting at a brand and being like, Hey, like this thing fell apart or my flight was delayed or you lost my bag or like, you know, this food is bad. Yeah. Um, like I feel like that, like, we do that, but then, like, if it, when it comes to, like, our friends, like, we wouldn't be, like, like, it's rare now to be, like, hey, Sam, like, what you said, I know this was, like, a couple days ago, but that thing that you said, uh, it kind of, like, offended me, and why did you say that? Like, people don't have those kinds of conversations <laughs> with each other anymore. Yeah. So, like, yeah. why is it that we, it, why, I really, actually, I'm curious to know what you guys think, like, why do we expect brands to, like, 
respond to us but not are like actual people we know is it because we give brands money well we don't give our friends money yeah exactly i mean that's a huge part of it to me to me there's like an insane there's been an insane like inflation of like customer service we pay so much for everything we do you know like your fast casual uh bowl lunch is so expensive relative to like what you're getting we expect so little in return for so much and I think that there's like a valid response to that. And also like what's Sam gonna do? He's not gonna like cough up ten bucks. He's not gonna like refund your Yeah, like he like silently slides <laughs> ten dollars. He's gonna like apologize in like an insincere kind of way and like go play squash and that's that's gonna be the end of it. Yeah, but like why is it why is it that we're like, oh, but like the brand needs to be sincere, but like my friend doesn't. I don't we, know. I right. just find this yeah. like so ludicrous. Well, I think I mean people today like they make judgments on like their friends characters based on like how cool their instagram feed is or something they're like oh i like mm. that person now they seem like great just because of like yeah. you know like re- like re- a relationship that they have that like doesn't even occur in person mm-hmm. because of like some personal marketing effort or something yeah right how like personal that's, is your feed sam it's not so personal anymore now it's yeah. more like work stuff All that's the, smart and professional yeah. photos and squash Tent squash flicks. I don't feel well. Rachel has a you have a uh, what would you call what do you call your feed? Your Instagram feed in particular is uh, art directed, yeah. It's it, like it the, it's, it's themed, it has yeah. a vision. Um, I'll let I'll let our good listeners go explore that and develop their own opinions. But um, I was just thinking that I don't know. I don't have awareness of like my feet, what my feet is saying about me necessarily. But I know that some of my jokes are bricks and are not being understood and are just like leading people to say things to me that uh, I find very weird about brands, which I love, but also hate. A result of this, I think, is that brands become like aspirational, like like for young creative people now i think the desire is to be a brand slash to be the head of a brand to be in charge of a brand to have a successful brand like that as abstract and kind of like meaningless as that is that's the that's like a goal not it's not about like output or winning an award even or making like bundles of money it's the word itself, brand, being a recognized and established as a brand, being a brand that can do all these things we're talking about brands doing in and of itself is aspirational, which, you know, you have to kind of question that because it's a little bit like, well, what are your priorities here? Yeah. <laughs> what do you yeah. really well, want to do? Think, what are you trying to say with your project? Like, I think what- it's a way, like, it sort of answers a lot of questions questions i mean i don't think these are like the only reasons but it does answer a a lot of questions about like the kind of anxiety that young people feel it gives you a sense of control you're you're like in control and like the decision maker and like your destiny so like for that reason it sort of makes sense but yeah it is kind of confusing as to why that so suddenly shifted to the the like goal yeah, and the whole the 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 new brand world order makes it makes that not just like possible, but it makes it like so, so, like desirable because you can express, you can be like the person you want to be, but it's all done like under a brand's handle. The most important thing to know about corporate lunch is that this is episode fifty-one of our customer service-based fashion podcast. 
Um, with all of this in mind, we were revisiting a Malcolm Gladwell article on The New Yorker from 2008. 1997. Oh, we were revisiting a Malcolm Gladwell article in The New Yorker from 1997. Yeah. Um, when Sam was just a junior varsity squash player at best. And Rachel resurfaced this uh, as part of this conversation. Why, Rachel? Well, because to me, this sort of represents the beginning of brands taking control of their own image from within and that right. becoming a major part of their infrastructure. Yeah. And the marketing efforts around what this brand means becoming not just something that like, oh, we kind of take the temperature on this and it has, you know, an important relationship to the sales of our products, but saying like, let's hire people whose primary function is just to tell us like what is cool and how we can be cool. Right. Did did we say the article is called The Cool Hunt? Uh no, but that's what I it's didn't called. say it, but that's what it's called. Um Cool Hunting was a real thing. Like before it was a website. I don't know if it came from uh what's his name from William Gibson from the novel Pattern Recognition. I think maybe that's the first time I encountered it. Uh sci-fi sort of novel with with uh, a close relationship to the idea of brands and style. But what so what is what is Gladwell? So he finds these two argue? women. He he the story primarily follow, find, follows these two women who um, started working for Reebok mm -hmm. and they were kind of like working in the sneaker world. And essentially what they would do is like, they, like by the time he comes to them, they are both working in different capacities to essentially create these reports that tell people this is what is cool. And it even gets so granular as to say like, you know, in Los Angeles, in this particular area, these types of women in this age bracket are wearing these things. And there's this kind of like hilarious section of the article where it's like right now, like this demographic of people is into like oxygen and like, um, <laughs> like cornflower yellow and condoms. Like it's, it, yeah. and it becomes like that granular. And, you know, brands would buy this information and also hire people who had these kind of like skills to help them refine their products right right but also like not simply refine their products but like kind of reposition them and i think what what malcolm gladwell is sort of saying is that like you can only like he has this kind of funny part because he's very you know one of the sort of like running jokes in the articles like malcolm gladwell's like not cool yeah and he's this you know malcolm gladwell a writer who by the way has a very uh carefully crafted personal brand of his own yeah um he sort of says, like, in order to see stuff that's cool, you have to already be cool. Right. And, you know, it's sort of interesting to look at this now because I think even though this was written in 1997, what he's essentially arguing is that, you know, you can't just like a, a company can't just manufacture a product and be like, this is cool now. Like it has to be discovered by someone. And there's an interesting example of hush puppies that he uses. That's right. Yeah. So he's discussing like. Uh, you know, these these two guys from Hush Puppies, which is like this ba brand, you know, based in Michigan, like they come footwear to New York. Brand. Yeah, a footwear brand. They come to New York and they're told by this trend forecaster 
who I think they sort of run into coincidentally that like lots of kids in the East and West villages are buying like classic hush puppies at thrift stores and wearing them. Right. And they were going to stop making the shoes yeah, that were being right. bought. But yeah. then they like start reproducing these shoes. And in fact, like a year later, they then win like the CFDA award for accessories. Design. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's interesting when you look at something like, you know, um, like the reintroduction of like the saddlebag is yeah. like that's something that like, you know, Dior. some people. Yeah. Some people were like, oh, is like Dior being a little cynical by reintroducing this thing. But in fact, like I think you saw a lot of like like and I don't mean influencers like in the traditional Instagram sense, but I mean like truly cool people yeah. bringing those bags back out and being like, hey, this actually like hmm. looks kind of great again. Yeah. And Dior picking up on that and yeah. saying like, OK, like, yeah, let's like make this happen. Yeah. Well, we definitely there's so there's like the organic like reemergence of a of a product like the Hush Puppies or whatever. And then what you see a lot now is brands are just like, OK, let's go into our archive and like try to recreate that. Uh, like internally mm -hmm. and then message that and make it be like our thing for this season. And obviously that's not always so successful. I feel like the, the former, the hush puppies example almost doesn't happen anymore. Or are you just saying it sort of did with the saddlebag? I think it happened with the saddlebag. Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is I think that now brands dictate this shit. Brands determine it for us. But I think, and I, I guess Except the, for the, reason, saddleback. <laughs> the reason why, though, I was interested in bringing up this article is that part of the reason why I think brands do that is because over the past two decades, they've been hiring people to tell them yeah. what is doing this. So in other words, yeah. like the person who pulled the saddlebag out of their closet and was like, this is a dope bag, may have already been employed at Dior. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the central arguments that Gladwell's making in this piece is that is that you can't look for cool things you have to look for cool people and then the cool people tell you what the cool things are um, right. and you know a, a sort of a, a whole like industry has sort I'm of I'm so glad that I'm cool emerged. and I don't have to worry about that yeah <laughs> a whole industry has kind of emerged in, in since 1997 of like trend forecasting agencies that will right. that will WGSN or whatever yeah it is. and they deliver reports that they make sort of PDFs crunch. They like crunch the they crunch the numbers and they you know and and they can break things down that are like that's like oh you know on in this season there were like one thousand and thirty eight garments um, you know in like Paris Milan Fashion Week they were all pink they were all like salmon salmony pink or whatever and then they sell that to like Target or something and they're like okay this is the color of the season um, and I think the argument there is that well these people who are putting together these reports are like cool I guess um, but there's a way of doing the tr of trend forecasting that is really looking at like stuff first. And I wonder if a lot of brands are starting to do or starting to like try to find the cool thing before the cool people now that the influencer economy is kind of like tapped out. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about those kinds of trend forecasting is that like or trend forecasting reports is that tr like this is going to sound like a really lame thing to say, but trend forecasting itself became very trendy. Yeah, and absolutely. I think what yeah. you what you saw was and probably not very good. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with something like that, where it's someone saying like, okay, like a lot of people are, or a lot of like European houses are creating pink garments and then selling that to Target is like, it sounds product driven, but it's like who is the person who told all those European fashion houses to make the pink? Right. And that's where you see something like K Hole come up and say, okay, everyone is feeling like really low and they just want to feel like cozy yeah. and, right. you know, a little feminine and they're feeling fragile. And so millennial pink is in. Right. 
Um, another thing for the reading list here is this. Do you remember the article, the brand underground from 2006, the New York Times Magazine article by Rob Walker? 2006 was a yes. big it was a, <laughs> was a big year, a big year for me uh, and brands, I would say. And one of the brands that was um, huge was anything, um, Aaron Bondaroff's brand. And the, oh, man, yeah. the, the brand underground, this article, like which blew my mind in 2006, I believe it was a cover story in the Times Magazine. There's a big T-shirt on the cover. Um, but, uh, he kind of spends time with Aaron, Aaron, the downtown Don, uh, has been canceled. We yeah. Add no longer part of the culture. Um, he, uh, he spends some time with him and there's just like, this thing is full of amazing quotes, but like, I'll just read this sort of like a caption that's on when I pull it up and he, Aaron Bondaroff, AKA Aaron, uh, has turned his lifestyle into a business called anything and downtown demographics into a kind of parlor game. I like to label all the different scenes, he said. I coined the phrase and people use it and it goes back to me. Like, I feel like that version of branding and brand building is like, that's the world we still live in today and it exists like at, at, at all levels from like the big, biggest corporations to like the tiniest indie, you know, kids tie-dyeing t-shirts and selling them in uh, parking lots outside of Dead & Co. shows. Brands, we love them. We hate them. They're complicated. They have feelings. I think every, you know, no secret that um, we love brands. Um, they matter to us. They are important. I'm not ready to give them up. I'm not. Sam um, is a bit of a socialist, so we'll see how that Speaking develops. Speaking of cool brands, the socialism brand is socialism for sure. Um, socialism is a hot brand, and we'll see. That's a that's a developing story for another time. Should we do some vibes? Yeah. 13 yep. vibes. Let's go. 13. Uh, this is the not so fast lightning round where we share with you vibes. All right, Rachel starting. Rachel, go. Okay, so actually, um, I was thinking about this even before we had the show, but press conferences are extremely due for a comeback. Yeah. Like, they're the way that they uh, function in the NBA should be the model for how they function in the rest of life. Like, at yeah. the end of a movie, you know, where, like, someone's in a press conference, like, someone calls a press conference to be like, I'm not living in London anymore. People should be doing that. <laughs> or like the way that Bob Dylan did press conference in the press conferences in the 60s. Have you guys ever watched a Bob Dylan press conference? No. And all of these like bloviating British journalists are like in what like kind of poetic virtue do you toil? He's <laughs> like I don't really know, man. I mean like why are more people doing that? That's great. <laughs> Sam. Stay tuned for the post pod press conference. I know, yeah. yeah. We should we'll have a presser after this. I just think everyone should have their own like lectern or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like just in case for emergency press conferences. Um my vibe is Goldman Sachs's new dress code. Yeah, it's what's up with because that? Because I'm excited to see like which Conde Nast employees, Goldman Sachs employees, start trying to dress like. In which Conde Nast employees, Goldman Sachs employees dress like? Yeah, yeah we all have like, lunch oh, together in we, the Brookfield yeah. place. Yeah, we share, we sort of share a luxury mall food court with Goldman Sachs. So I, I mean, like we have a cafeteria, but there's also that. My theory is that like all the, a bunch of junior analysts are going to show up one day just looking like Noah Johnson, Amazing. which would be great. They could never do it. They'd be fired. They're not going to get that relaxed over there. Um, it said that there was actually no guidelines. It just said, we all know what's appropriate. 
I love when a, when a financial jeans. services company uses we. <laughs> uh, my vibe is Marilyn Manson. Um, not because I like Marilyn Manson music. I don't. Um, it's pretty bad and corny <laughs> and was like never cool. I am a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. And uh, there are some old fixed pictures of uh, Marilyn Manson partying with Trent Reznor. But because Marilyn Manson is now crucial to the culture thanks to uh, a piece Rachel wrote for GQ, which you can go read. But the best part about it is that uh, Marilyn Manson went to an Oscars after party where he uh, was photographed with Adrian Brody and posted the picture with the caption that Rachel's going to tell you now. <laughs> and the award for best nose goes to dot, 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 the Nose Brothers. <laughs> there you have it. Adrian Brody and Marilyn Manson are the Nose Brothers, and that's a vibe. Uh, being confused like Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a uh, a lyric to a rap song that you wrote. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be. I just think that the way that like Hugh Grant is kind of like flustered in this very British way. Yeah. You know, like even when he has gotten himself into pretty serious legal scrapes, which I don't think I need to recount for anyone <laughs> listening here. Another he, who show. just like went on Jay Leno and was like, gosh, I mean, God, I don't know what I'm thinking. And sort of like slapped his head with his hand and was wearing like dockers and boat shoes. Yeah. And everyone was like, absolutely. We love this guy. Yeah. He's got, uh, all, unrelated to that, his attitude, he just has, well, he has the perfect style as a compliment to that exact attitude. Yeah. Uh, kind of like casual Brooks Brothers uh, model. Sam, vibrate. Say Fireplaces. Oh, I live in an apartment with a fireplace. You're Rachel can relate. <laughs> it's a little late in the season for, I mean, it's freezing cold in New York uh, today, but it's March. You really having a fire in March? Oh, yeah. Guys? I know what I'm doing tonight. Right. I still have like maybe a, an eighth of a cord of wood that I need to get through. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, DM Sam Hine and maybe he'll invite you over to have a nice little nice little cozy night fire snuggle <laughs> Rachel vibe bells ding 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 yeah service bells like somehow went out of style and I'm not sure why that happened like ring bell for service yeah like ring the bell for service desktop bell. yeah like the you know like at a hotel but then yeah. also the bells that would be under a desk right that a cool boss or like a woman in charge of a household yeah. could press and someone would appear with a gravy boat. That's great. <laughs> also, dinner bells. Yeah. Dinner come, bells come are really cool. Like a little gong that you sort of hit. Yeah. You know? And everyone knows like, oh, Jeeves has rung the dinner bell. And Hugh Grant is like, what? What is the bells? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Episode 51. This one's been really fun. Uh, thank you comrades for joining us support the brands that you love love the brands that you support and remain loyal to them for now until eternity uh, when I die bury me in a Patagonia sleeping bag <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>